0: It's the 10 to 1 podcast with your host, Brad Oman, featuring Ben Conowitz and Nate Lauks. And here's the podcast.
1: Hey, guys. Um, okay. What would I need to say to get you guys to slap me at our first ever potty awards? Oh,
0: geez, Louise. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh these timely jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 very culturally relevant with my humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, do don't, don't worry,
2: Saturday Night Live little. only covered this for 72% of the episode.
0: <laughs> Always got your finger on the pulse of <laughs> pop culture.
1: Yeah, what do you want to know? I'm like Perez Hilton's kind of less interesting cousin that doesn't like to cause any problems. So, are going to make it in this business.
0: knowledge. And it's 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 anchored by the fact that you reference Perez Hilton too.
1: Is he still around? Because I mean, that's I've got my finger on the pulse. <laughs> I mean, he's still alive. <laughs> he's uh, about as popular as Punky Johnson. Uh, whoa! Or, or whoa. Punky Brewster. Whoa! <laughs> hey, so guys, it's been a while. I haven't seen you in in, in ages.
0: And it's gonna be longer um, because you're away recording remotely somewhere.
1: Yeah. So if the audio on this is not the best. Uh, I even carved out time on my vacation to record because we love SNL that much. Even more than I love SNL, I love you guys. So I wanted to talk to you. It's very nice. Yeah, I'm not buying it. Uh, season 47, episode 16, uh, guys. We're on like uh, I think our 15th episode of this podcast now. I didn't think we'd last past like three episodes. I'm not going to lie.
2: Neither did anybody. Neither did our listener.
1: They're still waiting for us to just give it up.
2: It right. is weird that I can't see you, so I don't. I don't know when to jump in as much. So, like, we do apologize for the weird breaks between comments. I will say that out loud.
1: Well, I mean, I was planning on editing some of those out, but now that now you got to leave them all in. Yeah, now that you've given it up, that you know we're just awkwardly talking start to each other over. with like start thirty second breaks in between each set, sec, sentence. It's so a it ten went. to
0: one podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so. I'm not gonna lie. I thought it was Jared Carmichael.
0: (laughs) Jared. Yeah. I mean, it does. It does does look like a a, just a different spelling of Jared. If you were to see it for the first time.
1: Yes, and so I thought it was Jared Carmichael. And when they're like Gerard, I'm like, oh. Yeah, no. It's uh, uh, Lauren Michaels. Wrong for so long. (laughs) Lauren Michaels and SNL. They, they went to Jared. Did either of you guys? watch, because I always wanted to watch it, but I never did, uh, which is probably why I got canceled. But did you guys watch The Carmichael Show? I no,
0: I, I did not. It, it, I was turned off by the fact that it was one of those sitcoms with uh, a, a laugh track, or at least or a live audience, and like, just, yeah. I'm, I'm not really into that kind of style of comedy anymore, so. Yeah,
1: same, same. But when I went back and looked at, like, you know, because it, it's been what? I think it got canceled. It was like 2016, 2017, or roughly, like that era. I went back, and like, if you look at the cast now, it, it, it's a pretty impressive cast on that show, though. Like, Lil Rel, or, yeah, Lil Rel made his debut there. There was just a ton of people in that show and that cast that have went on to do, like, bigger things. I would even argue probably bigger than Gerard Carmichael, even. So, uh, it's pretty interesting that I never even watched it. And, you know, it kind of birthed some pretty major stars. So... <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, it's good to mention that because Gerard Carmichael, you know, I think he's known in uh, stand up comedy circles and, and whatnot because he's very good. He's had a couple uh, big specials, but otherwise, he doesn't really have a huge pop culture footprint. He had a, a small supporting role in both of the Neighbors movies with uh, Seth Rogen and Zach Efron. He had his own show, The Carmichael Show, that lasted about three seasons, but it wasn't one of those shows, you know, where everybody was talking about it. Um, and he's had j- just some bit appearances in TV shows and stuff over the years. So he uh, – I feel like this is maybe – probably, and I, I, he even addressed this during his monologue. Probably one of the least famous people to ever host SNL.
1: <laughs> yeah, and we'll get into that uh, monologue because I'm uh, – you know, hashtag spoiler alert. I loved it. But, um, yeah, it, I, I'm going to say this too. And tell me if you guys agree or not because typically you find some of the movies that I like questionable – I like neighbors one and two. Are you guys okay with those films?
0: Oh, I love oh, yeah. neighbors movies. I think they're hilarious.
1: Okay, yes. Good. I'm fully on board. All right, good, because sometimes I laugh at movies that you guys think are dumb. So right, Name four. Make, name four, is that what you said? I'm, I'm <laughs> Uh, I, I was just watching "Forgetting Sarah Marshall." Have you seen that one? I was was love "Forgetting Sarah Marshall." Yeah, that's was... one of the
0: best romantic comedies of like the the Nate, century. Nate,
1: stop making it sound like that's the
0: movie. Uh, there was a movie I liked. Have you guys, hey, have and you guys like, seen "The Tommy Godfather"? Boy? I know
2: that you normally shit on my movies. <laughs> you
1: guys, did you guys see "Tommy Boy"? Because I know you guys don't like that. Oh uh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into the episode. Cold opening. "Fox and Friends," written by James Austin Johnson, Will Stephen, and Brian Tucker. Oh, I'm so tired of the political openings guys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna
0: record just so the same thing that I say in every episode, and we're gonna <laughs> play it at the, at the at the top for the first sketch. Yeah, same shit, different day. The only saving grace in this case, I think, is uh, Keenan Thompson doing what he does best, saving a really bad sketch from not being downright terrible because his response as. Uh, Clarence Thomas was was amusing. Um, and then I, I'm never sick of seeing Cecily Strong as Janine Pirro because she's just so delightfully unhinged and insane when she plays that terrible non-judge uh So yeah, those are the only things I really enjoyed about this. Otherwise, just you know, whatever. There will
2: never be another Brian Kilmeade other than Bobby Moynihan. So I'm sorry.
0: I will. I will say though, I do think those three did very good jobs of doing different enough versions of those characters, and they they were pretty decent. But it's but like the the content's not there for me to care.
1: No, that's the thing is all of them. All of them are good at their thing, right? James Austin Johnson does a great Trump. I'm just, it's not a good sketch. Like, I'm just tired of it. Like, drunk Janine Pirro. There's nobody better at Janine Pirro than Cecily Strong. But are we still laughing at drunk Janine Pirro? Like, I'm just done with it, right? Like,
0: I, I do I do appreciate the escalation of how she drinks because, like, uh, previously, you know, she did just did a lot of spilling and nearly falling over. But I love that it's gotten to the point where now she's shotgunning, you know, malt liquor beverages in a can and stuff. At
2: least it is getting explosively, you know, better and better as far as or worse and worse depending on how you look at it
1: yeah and i I will say though i don't know if you're picking this up but james austin johnson's trump though they're doing some subtle like makeup things he's he's looking a little more like trump all the time like in in their costuming but also he's looking haggard and old which is what trump looks like now (laughs) yeah he's also kind of also still evolving some of his impression i don't know if you noticed but um trump is a mouth breather and it drives me crazy, but no, um, uh, and uh, James Austin Johnson was clearly trying to lean into his mouth breathing uh, this time. If you rewatch it, it's, it's like you could tell there was something that he watched in Trump about his mouth breathing. Cause I've never noticed it as bad as I did this time that he was leaning into it, like specifically very strong in this impression. And so, like I said, there, there was nothing wrong with what any of the cast was doing It just, the right, it just wasn't a good sketch. Like, I'm just tired of it, you know? Like, I I don't know what else to do with the opening sketches. Um, I I thought even, I was uh, thinking about the show the other day, our our podcast, and thought maybe what we can do is pick a better sketch that you would have opened up the show with based on some of the sketches that were in the show. Um, Is there a better sketch you think would have been a better opening sketch I just wish that they episode. would go
2: back to anything like just open the show with a non-political sketch. I don't care what the sketch is. You're allowed to open the show with it not being political. So just pick
1: any of them and do it. What's crazy about that is, you know, our listeners not might know, but the three of us are fairly political, right? Like we're not like a political people either. So it's not like we're like you know find the center and and just live there we're just tired of the same sketches well you know um and it's just not it's just not i don't know it's it's just tired like like you said brad we could just record what we say each political opening and just replay it because i feel it's the same thing every time
2: yeah i just don't i just don't understand uh the the mentality behind it because you know it it just doesn't work and it doesn't it hasn't worked for a long time and people too, this is the part that we can uh record and repeat as well we've said this a thousand times uh this is why people tune out you you got a crap sketch about well SNL isn't funny again bye and it's like if you would have done a couple of sketches that were in the show as the opener what remember when you were in high school and you you would do a speech and debate and they were like if you're gonna have a speech uh, make sure you have an attention grabber at your opening like these aren't attention grabbers these are boring yeah exactly
1: all right, moving on. Let's get to monologue written by Gerard Carmichael with an assist from Steve Higgins. Um, again, you, you guys are probably more attuned to his stand-up stuff. I've not watched his new special. Um, I've actually only watched some clips of his from YouTube. I loved this monologue. I loved it. Gerard, uh, Gerard, sorry, is so stinking charismatic like I just I'm captivated when he does his his uh uh, monologues or when he does stand-up I can't wait to discover like a whole career of stand-up comedy that I have not like been have had access to so um I'm I'm I just I was blown away by it I really loved it so what'd you guys think
0: yeah this was uh fantastic i mean it's it's almost always good when you have a stand-up comic who's hosting snl because you know the monologue is going to be them you know doing some of their stand-up bits what is most impressive about this one is that this clearly isn't material that he's been doing uh as a stand-up comedian on tour or anywhere else because it's about what happened at the oscars just six days before and then on top of that Uh, I was reminded of John Mulaney's bit about a horse being loose in in the hospital as a metaphor for the Donald Trump presidency where Mulaney totally rails on Trump and the nonsense surrounding him being president without ever once mentioning Donald Trump by name. But everyone knows what he's talking about. And Gerard Carmichael does the exact same thing with this, where he never says Chris Rock. He never says Will Smith. He never says the Oscars, but everyone knows what he's talking about. And he does it so perfectly well and the, the confidence too to like even like call out lauren michaels for saying something so silly if if he really did say that um you know it, this was just just an incredible stand-up bit.
2: yeah it was absolutely fantastic and in the hands of anybody that's not a professional stand-up comedian this falls so flat because you have to have the confidence that that Gerard Carmichael has to get out there on stage and to, to say something without mentioning it by name is you have to you you in the audience and the viewing audience on home have to make this pact that we're all on the same page immediately for this to work. I mean, it doesn't you can't have this go two minutes and then finally the reveal is what we're talking about. You knew he knew exactly what he was doing. The audience knew exactly what he was talking about and he brought us along immediately first time on, on the show, you know, with that utter charismatic confidence that only a professional like him could provide. And it, that's why it worked so well.
1: Yeah. And we all love self-deprecating celebrities too. So it was nice to, you know, he, he knew his role in this, right. He, he knew where he stood. He's like, nobody's going to know who I am. Um, and so like, he just owned it. Uh, he had a line there. You know, again, he's playing off this idea. And again, uh, Brad, I'm, I'm with you. I don't know if Lauren really told him this or if it was just part of the bit. But, uh, you know, he, he's like, I can't even heal my family. How can I heal the nation kind of thing? Because he also recently came out um, as gay in his special. And so, uh, which again, uh, I'm, I don't want to minimize because, you know, uh, the, one of the things I was reading about is, you know, it, it's pretty brave, especially still today for a a black man to um come out as gay and so but he really didn't touch on it too much uh he really wanted to go with the oscars stuff and i, I just man i i am i am in love with rock carmichael now and i didn't know a ton about him so i honestly hope they do more of these because i love that snl can introduce somebody with this amount of talent to people like me that i mean i'm i'm not like I know some things, right? I'm not, I'm not somebody that knows nothing about Hollywood or stand up. I just wasn't that familiar with his stuff. So um, kudos to SNL for putting him on there and uh, getting him out front because he's a name that I think we all should know in comedy.
2: I think one of the, just real quick, one of the things that I I really respected about the, when he talked about being gay he took it, if, if comedy is is what's unexpected, I was not expecting him to be like, it's easy being gay in New York City like they yeah. give you things and so it, it's clearly not easy being gay in New York City, it's not easy being gay anywhere but for him to turn it on its head like that and make those jokes, it really caught me by surprise and it, again, another just masterful you know, stand-up bit uh, it, bit within a bit, like I loved it
1: Alright, let's move on to the first sketch, Game Show Is My Brain Okay uh, written by Allison Gates and Colin Jost, obviously playing on the "we're all a little tired from COVID." Um, Kate McKinnon, Chris Redd, Sarah Sherman, and Bowen Yang starring in this one. Uh,
0: Brad, what'd you think? Uh, I thought it was okay. It the premise itself seems too simple and too easy. You know, it's because it basically just comes down to, "Oh, I'm." Uh, confused about stuff because of the pandemic and time not, you know, passing anymore. And maybe I got COVID. So I have COVID brain and I don't understand things. And that was pretty much it. I think honestly, the only part that I really uh, like actually laughed out loud at was when Kate McKinnon rhetorically asked herself, what's wrong with me? And everyone has an answer. That was a pretty good uh, sequence of jokes there, but otherwise uh, I just felt that it, it, for the kind of joke it was, it just went on a little too long and was maybe a bit too broad.
2: Thank I, I think that uh, this is something where Keenan Thompson is missed as the host of the game show. Like Andrew Desmuse, we saw an episode ago or whatever that was, he, he did a, a, a fine job. But this is one of those sketches that could have been elevated by Keenan Thompson's game show host character. And I, I really wish it was him rather than Kate McKinnon because you can supplant the exact same role with, Keenan and, and it elevates it even more uh, but I, Brad's exactly right there's, there's just not much going on here um, and I'm the one that always says it only works if it gets more and more outlandish and this just didn't so that's why it's like okay same joke over and over again uh, I did like 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 Brad said you know the idea that uh, the rhetorical question that got answered that that's a funny part of that but too much left on the table here
0: yeah the was, only part where it really escalated was when Sarah Sherman was licking her podium and by then yeah,
1: yeah. that's not enough I didn't know yeah it, it almost seemed uh, because like you said uh, Ben to do this well there has to be an escalation and that wasn't an escalation you just dove into the deep end yeah in that that, one. that's that's going from four to 11 and it's like <laughs> why why rip the knob off Sarah by looking the podium like there was nothing to let me know that you were gonna look that crazy so that's why it just doesn't work my favorite line though and I, I there I will say there there were a couple lines I laughed I mean and honestly uh, I don't prefer Kate as the game show host. And and she almost had a, a little bit of, and this is kind of where Kate is a little bit on the show. There's a little bit of I don't care uh, to her performances, like you know, where where she's almost in on the joke with you. Do you know what I mean, like she's almost laughing as well as 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 you are. But um, there was a line there where uh, Dra Carmichael says, "If you set the clock ahead, you don't have to be. You don't have to live as long." And I that that for me got me in the funny. Box. That's a good line. That is a good line. Yeah, yeah I will
2: say that for Kate McKinnon to be the game show host here. Uh, so while Keenan Thompson is arrogant and cocky about being uh, better than the contestants, Kate plays it like she's better than the show, and she's on your side as the audience. Like this is going to be fun. Watch what we do here.
0: I actually, I don't, I'm not sure in this case if she's doing the thing where she's better. I think she's just aloof because. Because it goes in with the whole COVID brain kind of thing, like yeah, whatever. This is our life now. Like I actually yeah, don't think that's that- what I yeah. couldn't tell. I
2: couldn't tell. Nonchalant.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's what I couldn't tell. Is is she not taking it very seriously? Which is fine because she does this on on Weekend Update, and it's very charming, I love it. She she makes me laugh doing it. But that's a whole different kind of environment and element when she's talking to Colin and kind of you know just kind of don't care kind of, you know, shtick this, you know, it wasn't like you said, Andrew Dismukes that plays it seriously, seriously, but frustrated at the contestants or, you know, these kind of things.
2: Cause I, I think that, and not to get too deep dive into a freaking sketch here about game shows, but at the this end is of all the day, I know, but the idea that y- you're building a universe and you need to live within those parameters. So if the game show means enough that this is the host and it's somebody that would be paid money to care about the show, like I, I to Brad's point, maybe it is because of the COVID brain thing, but other than that, there's no excuse for a game show host to not really care about the show she's on, and that's why it's weird because you built that that universe and now you're you're breaking those rules.
0: I mean, they've done that before though, where they've had hosts who are like clearly just whatever about the job and what they're what they're doing. And so Bill Hader famously did that a lot. Yeah. I do think that this one would have benefited, like you said, from Keenan Thompson reacting in like a very like shocked and like funny way as to how just how bad people's brains were. Um, You know, so, so yeah, that's yeah. You you, you almost needed the straight guy. Right. Like Keenan
1: would be the one that was the the straight guy that's um, guiding you through the sketch that is pointing out the absurdity of it all. Um, You didn't have that. Right. They were all just kind of covid brained. It's a rudderless ship. Rudderless (laughs) ship. All right. Next was a music video, uh, short ass movies written by Dan Bulla and Pete Davidson. As someone that pees every 15 to 20 minutes, as you guys know, we paused the podcast for me to pee constantly. I stand behind (laughs) the message of the video short because, um, who has time for two hour and 30 minute movies, um, make it into a short series. That's all I got to say.
2: Uh, my favorite bit about this was how long was King of Staten Island? That was yeah, it was a brilliant. really, really funny line. I'm glad they went meta with it. I really enjoyed that.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, the sketch was incredible, uh, even though I am somebody, obviously, because of my uh, love of movies doesn't have a problem longer movies this speaks to the truth to what everyone is doing uh late at night when they're looking for a movie to watch that won't keep them up too long you're looking for those 90 minute movies and uh just the a fantastic premise the rap was well written the track was well produced uh i love the the list of movies that he picks from streaming to um to pad out pat it out and it was just just a great great music video sketch
1: who's the yeah who no i agreed and, the, the, and like you said the song was a banger it was it was good like i was i was actually enjoying the song <laughs> so no, it's it, like, that it was uh, great who's
2: the comedian that played uh the Ernest uh character simon rex
1: yeah simon yeah. rex so who he was is?
2: perfectly Who'd, cast as that like i'm so glad they brought him in for that because it's just like i didn't i never put two and two together that he kind of looks like jim varney but oh my god does he look like jim varney
1: yeah he does he does yeah if they ever wanted to do like a um like a bi- bi- biopic of uh, jim barney he would be perfect for that role i mean that hey, that part had me going i was really laughing out loud at when they just kept going to those yeah. movies it really made me laugh do you guys think is is did i hear or read maybe on reddit or something that pete's
0: making a film right now or something is that right yeah, so that's why he was gone for the previous however many episodes. So I don't know if he's like back now for the rest of the season or if he's just if he's back, like because there's a break in his schedule or, or what. But yeah, that's why he was gone. Was he did, was he at the like, did you see him in the goodbyes at the end
1: of the show or no? The, I, I didn't see him there, but maybe he was there.
0: I actually didn't pay attention to
1: see if he was. That's why I wasn't sure if he just, you know, found a way to film this in between some of his other commitments, you know, cause he wasn't in any other sketches, but, um, uh, you know, again, th- there's enough cast members to go around.
2: I'm so, happy he was there know. cause this was a great sketch.
1: I agreed. Agreed. All right. Next, uh, was, uh, the show, uh, shop TV written by Mikey days shooter, Seidel with an assist from Rosebud Baker, a new writer on the show, um, had, a uh, Mikey Day as uh, Rhett and Cecily Strong as Dot, and um, yeah, they were just talking about a doll. What were you talking about, Nate? Yeah, a doll with um, some um, the spare, some hair, some hair, a doll with hair. Um, oh. So yeah,
0: a Technicolor it Bush. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it, it was so. Uh, I'll tell you this: uh, I was watching. Uh, like I, we said at the beginning, I'm on vacation. And so I'm trying to watch the show. My wife's sleeping. And I'm trying to watch the show. And I've got my headphones on in the bed. And this one just, you know, like, it, it I just couldn't stop laughing at it. Because it was just so ridiculous. Um, and every character in it made me laugh. Um, the two hosts, uh, played by Cecily Strong and Mikey Day... Could be on the righteous gemstones very easily as well, um, and I, I don't know. I just it was absurd, but I laughed. What would you think, Benny? The idea that this is such a so we talk about all the time. It, it can be
2: a very basic premise, a very basic easy joke, and if you do it the right way, it's it's an all timer. And this this not necessarily that this sketch is an all timer, but. It worked very well, even though, yeah, it's the the premises that the the spooled bush that needs to come out, the spooled hair that needs to come out looks like a bush from the 70s. Ha, ha, ha. But the way they did it was wonderful. I was laughing so hard, especially when they changed her freaking outfit into the swimsuit thing, and Gerard Carmichael's character was just like, on board like he's just like yeah this is what it is like i don't understand what you're talking about and he just kept going back to like well any doll maker that's doll maker 101 <laughs> yeah that made me laugh so freaking hard especially when he i think it was cecily strong i was like i wish you'd just stop saying that because nobody knows what doll makers go or whatever it was i was crying
1: it was great yeah. gerard carmarco played the innocent straight guy so well in this one like you know because oh. you know aloof to the whole kind of uh humor of it all. I, I he he did really well in the sketch as well. He did. Uh Brad, what you think, man?
0: Yeah, I love this. I mean, it's uh you know, it's one of those things where uh whenever SNL does a a QVC kind of sketch, you know that either it's something is going to go wrong and result in slapstick comedy and pratfalls or it's going to be super inappropriate whatever happens with the product. And this fell into the latter uh but it was done very well the 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 premise of the doll itself pulled from rainbow bright and just uh this was one where like some real creativity went into like figuring out how to make this this work and like it it involves a little bit of uh you know physical comedy too especially when it gets to the point where you figure out how to you know replace the hair (laughs) um and uh bending the doll over in an awkward fashion so yeah this was really really funny and I, I, i liked it a lot
2: the I think that one of the strengths of the sketch especially was the, the, be, even though you have two co-hosts that are that are trying to keep some semblance of, of normalcy and act like, okay, well, let's not show it from that angle, whatever. The, all three of them don't feel like that because there's so many sketches that happen where even the guest person now realizes, oh, that's what it comes across as. No, no, no. I'm so sorry. And now they're all three trying to cover for it. This was such a break from that where it was like any doll maker would know that. And it's just he's very adamant about this is fine. This is how the doll's supposed to look. And it's just so great that that's the angle they took with it.
0: And also, this is one of those instances where SNL uh, ended a sketch perfectly by doing a great callback to the beginning with that loud scream for their the <laughs> yeah, bumper. That's not better. <laughs> yeah. All right. The next was um, uh, uh, seat
1: fillers. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but as soon as this is, I guess, how my brain is wired now um, with doing this podcast and things like this. As soon as something happens in the world, especially like what we saw with Will Smith and Chris Rock, um, I immediately thought, I wonder what SNL is going to do with this. Um, Because you knew they had to do something. And I thought this was such an interesting take on what to do. Because there were a lot of obvious things they could have went with. But this sketch, seat Fillers, it was written by Mike DiCenzo. Martin Herlihy, Martin Herlihy, John Higgins, Ben Marshall, and Jake Nordwind. Cal um, Mooney played one of the seat fillers. Chris Redd, I will say this. I love Chris Redd, one of my favorite cast members. I've given him, I think, the cast member of the episode a couple times. The worst Will Smith impression I think I've <laughs> ever seen. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Um, yeah, they, they needed to bring back Jay Farrow for yes, this. That's exactly Absolutely. what I wrote. Jay Farrow, uh, we miss you. But, um, you know, again, though, interesting premise, though, still. What did you guys think of this sketch? Uh,
0: I did not like it. I thought that it was elementary. I, I It was uh, too little, too late. I think they should have scrapped this, considering all of the other material they had covering the Oscar stuff. This was the, the weakest way to do it, the easiest way to do it. And even though I appreciate – how good Gerard and Kyle Mooney were at being awkward sitting next to Will Smith after the events. It was just like, I I don't need this and nobody else does either.
1: Yeah,
2: the especially, hey,
0: hey, uh, Brad, I, I couldn't tell. Did you like this
1: sketch or not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh,
2: weekend update covered this at length, the opening monologue covered this at length. I was hoping they didn't, they weren't going to do something like this, and it was just as bad as I thought it was going to be. Uh, there were the, the seat filler angle is sure, whatever, but it was not. Oh boy, it was just not good.
1: Uh, yeah, it, it's like I said. Especially the impression. I mean, if you don't have anyone on the cast that can do a Will Smith impression. Because also Chris Red doesn't look like Will Smith, right? So, like, there's really nothing there. Your impression is not good. You don't look like Will Smith. Um, I I think there could have been something with the seat filler thing. You know, because I was thinking about this. There were seat fillers, right? And so I'm sure they're like the only people right now that are entering into the space of Will Smith. And, you know, the idea that there's an awkward conversation happening with Will Smith and a seat filler, there is comedy to be written in that. And there was a couple good lines and Kyle Mooney played awkward. Like he always does. It was funny, but I I don't, I don't think, I guess I'm where you're at, Brad. You knew they were going to do something. I'm not sure this really met the moment. Um, for what they should have done. so Yeah,
0: and and it especially felt worse after what Gerard Carmichael did with the monologue. It's like, once you knew he's going to do that, why even bother trying to do anything else? And some of the great jokes about it that I thought were in Weekend Update, which
1: is a nice segue to our next. So after this, we're Weekend Update. Um, This is, drumroll please, Brad, did you like Weekend Update this week or not?
0: So I liked most of it, except I think that they hung up on the oscars jokes for way too long i think they could have cut half of them still left in some pretty good punchlines, um but like especially the way that they led into it with the vladimir putin thing as like a misdirect and then being like oh it's actually a bunch of stuff about will smith um it was i, I just i just felt like it was too too much again it suffered from being after gerard Carmichael. there there were some uh decent bits there but it felt like overflow uh, but the second half of Weekend Update, I enjoyed um, much more. Uh, I, you know, I like the, the again, the the picture commentary when they have Senator Lindsey Graham. Um, I appreciated that Michael Che made a joke uh, tied into that radio show appearance where it made it sound like he'd be leaving the Weekend Update desk. Yep. Um, and, yeah, and there was, uh, you know, I... It was kind of weird. There was one the the one joke that Colin Jost said um, about the the black bear on college getting a position that should have been taken <laughs> by a polar bear or a panda bear. Or, you know, white or Asian bears. That that felt like one that like Michael Che would have given Colin Joe's as like uh, one of the year end jokes where he doesn't know it's coming.
1: Yeah, um, I, I thought they would say something about a joke switch there or something. Yeah, because even
0: didn't. even even Joe's reaction was like, come on.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That, like, it, it was everything there, but they didn't say it. So you don't know if it was a joke switch or not, but it was it – was, uh, I'm not going to lie. Laugh.
0: I laughed at the joke, but it felt oh, yeah. like that, though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, yeah, I thought uh, with the exception of the, the too many Oscars jokes, uh, I thought that this was a very good edition of Weekend Update.
1: Ben, you hated it, didn't you?
2: No, I uh, – I, my favorite joke uh, was about Michael Che uh, being on on TV, uh, the three seasons of, of the Michael Che show. Uh, that was a great joke. And then I also really liked Colin Joe's joke about having to defend his wife at, at the award ceremonies that made it uh, meta personal, uh, a different take that only he could provide. And that was a really good joke.
1: Yeah, I, I liked it. I thought it was a, I thought it was a solid. Now there's this imaginary thing that Brad says has to happen each episode where um, they do it every episode, but Brad doesn't notice where the, the, <laughs> I love the this. Where, where Che and start are are joking back and forth. Now, Brad, or Ben and I notice this every episode that it actually exists. Brad, you only see it occasionally. Did you see it this episode of Weekend Update?
0: It doesn't happen to the extent that. I would like it to happen.
1: Just it never happen. does, though. It never does.
0: No, no. But this, but this, but this time you
2: need them to be open mouth kissing while telling jokes.
0: But, they, but no. But this time it, it felt like it felt like they had a good a good back and forth and like reacting to each other. But no, it doesn't always happen at a on a satisfying level. So I don't, and you'll never convince me otherwise when I have made the decision. It's
1: so weird. By the way, I, I'm I'm loving that there's these. Uh, Uh, little meta segments in our weekend update reviews that now I get to ask Brad about, you know, how, how he processed this part of it. How how did you,
2: how did you perceive the relationship between Jay and Joe's this week, Brad? Did did you feel there was tension?
1: (laughs) It's an integral
0: part of weekend update. When there are two anchors, you can suck on my penis. All right. Uh, Weekend
1: update. Marsha Blackburn, played by Cecily Strong, which I told you guys through text this week, our listeners don't know this, but I was reading her book, expecting a very funny book by Cecily Strong. I was listening to it on our way down to Alabama. Not funny at all. I was crying. So um, if you're wanting a funny book by an SNL cast member, do not buy something by Ce- Cecily Strong. Stick to Tina Fey, okay? So... Um, wasn't very, but is very, it a good book? It's it's if you're in the mood for sad, which oftentimes I am, so I've enjoyed it. I've kept going. I've enjoyed the journaling, but it's like a a, a it's like a reliving of a Cecily Strong's cousin dies of brain cancer during COVID nineteen while she's losing a boyfriend that she really really enjoys, and she just journals through it. So. It, it'll really it's it's a it's a really pick me up getting ready for spring break.
0: Um <laughs> sounds like a real knee slapper.
1: <laughs> uh, uh she's she I will say this. Cecily strong is a very gifted writer. So but anyway, Cecily Strong plays uh Marcia Blackburn.
0: What did you guys think?
1: Pass. <laughs>
0: uh, I mean, I, I don't think it was bad. I just feel like this does, you know, uh, the same thing that we've seen Cecily Strong do several times before. And and even though her her impersonation of Marcia Blackburn is very good. Uh it feels like it's fused too close to similar thing. Whatever she, she she's very good at playing these political figures in the same way that Kate McKinnon is. Um and like it was treading, you know, far too familiar territory without really doing anything you know, new to make it worthwhile this it's not, a,
2: it's, to- it's not a, even a parody it's just it's just like the things that they say so you, the, i don't know why they can't figure out like when the the truth is stranger than fiction then you just don't parody it you know that's something so, you just can leave alone it'd be fine
1: that, Br- Br- ben you talk about something that i was going to get at is that i'm having a hard time laughing at these things because she was just literally saying lines that Marsha blackburn exactly. says exactly and i, and and that's I have not a funny. hard time laughing at it anymore right like it's like yeah. it's just because if if it was one crazy you know aunt or uncle in the senate that nobody takes seriously it's one thing but it's like it's like a movement that just grows um and it's i'm having a harder time laughing at it and i don't know why but um uh it, like it, it said, bores me it
2: just it really bores me because i don't care that you're parroting the exact same thing that they actually said is not and just repeating it like with an with like your crazy take on how they sound uh fine i'm just so yeah, it's, bored
0: i think that this is a result too of how things went down and and this i think changed snl uh forever um even more so than the the Gore Bush debates is the stuff with Sarah Palin where when they did stuff with Sarah Palin with Tina Fey playing her a lot of times they just had Tina Fey saying the ridiculous things that Sarah Palin did and I think that Sarah Palin impression maybe at the time made it a little bit easier to swallow but I think things have gotten so much worse since then and like even by comparison Sarah, what things Sarah Palin saying weren't nearly as dumb uh, as things that people are saying today, or as dangerous. And this is where we're at. And so now it's not fun anymore. You have and you Sarah have Palin a, felt like an outlier,
2: right? Well, you that, like, thank you. That so that was my point is that you have one person back then that yeah. is this crazy person, like the uncle or aunt of the Senate, that is an insane person or a dumbass because that's basically what she is. She's a dumbass. I can see Russia from my house. That's a that's a soundbite that went everywhere because it was so unique that somebody would be that dumb in that position. Did she
1: actually say that though or not? I don't think she did. Right. It was whatever. It was,
2: it, yeah. it was uh, something where she was just alluding to how close they were, blah, blah, blah.
1: No, so no, no get, but also that we wouldn't know if she said that or not is a whole part of it. Right. Right. You don't know if she would say that. Cause exactly. She, but she now we have it.
2: 13 to 15 people that are acting like this i I'll be honest with you. I, I am not politically uh, aligned enough to know who Marsha Who is this woman's name
1: again? Marcia Blackburn. She's a oh, t- uh, senator from Tennessee.
2: Yeah. So I, I didn't even know that she was a crazy person, whatever. I just assumed that she was a real person, though, because now it's not it's not out of place for that to happen. So I thought, you know, Marjorie Taylor, whatever her nuts is. And Lauren uh, Cockbert the, the, it's, uh, are the two outliers. But now there's so many more of them. It doesn't matter anymore. Nothing matters.
0: And just to be clear, to be clear, Sarah Palin didn't say verbatim, I can see Russia from my house. What he actually said was there are next door neighbors and you can actually see Russia from land here in Alaska, from an island in Alaska. And so, so that's
2: not parroting exactly what she said. It's a funny take on what she said. And there's a big yeah. difference
0: there. And, yeah. and
1: it certainly doesn't make you an expert in foreign policy, which I think was her point. Exactly, to not to relive the 2008 elections, but, but
2: that's the uh, difference, though. It makes it because it's a it's a nuanced
1: take and an and a an exaggeration and a parody. It's called a parody. Yeah. So like said, it just it doesn't feel like a parody anymore because like it just seems to like be getting more and more like that. Um, so heated right so, now. Why am I so heated? I'm so I'm worked up. Well, because you're losing all that weight, now you've you, you know you've got all this like extra. I'm just
2: irritable, guys. I'm irritable.
1: <laughs> all right, moving on. OJ Simpson. Uh, we got our Keenan back here. What, do you like Keenan's OJ? Does anybody really even know what OJ sounds like still, or no?
0: <laughs> I, I think heard he hasn't uh, done this uh, uh, since
1: like 2007 or something like that. I know a little was. bit, a, a
0: little bit older than he did in the gun movies. Yes,
1: <laughs>
2: I think that the. Do you think that there's anything here? Because it's like let's let's do OJ one more time because Keenan's only going to be on the show for another year or so, and this might be the last time that we do it. Did we not? Did he announce no. leaving? No, I mean I'm just assuming he's going to stay through the 50th and, and then be done.
0: Oh, well, yeah, but that's that's still a few years away. We're in season 47. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I think that like if you're getting to I don't, I don't like your attitude. Right char- now.
2: If you if you're and getting also, up old characters, like maybe do you know? Also,
0: Keenan Keenan has definitely played OJ recently. I'm pretty sure he did it during one of the SNL at home episodes. All right, fine, okay. I'm just asking questions. <laughs> I'm heated. Um. So so initially when they started this, uh, sketch, I rolled my eyes and I was like, oh, good, more Will Smith Oscar stuff. However this turned into something much different and much better because it's not really OJ reacting to Will Smith's Oscar slap. It devolves into him being panicked about being held responsible for what he's doing and having his awards taken away. uh, Like they've talked about potentially happening to Will Smith and stuff like that. And so it's, it's his reactions as OJ. uh, This is not about Will Smith. It's totally an OJ Simpson thing. And that, that made it uh, much better than I thought it was going to be. I am always
2: going to laugh when, when, uh, Keenan Thompson as OJ Simpson roughs up Michael Che and then like dusts him off. I'm never yeah. not going to laugh at that. It's always going to be funny.
1: Yeah. I, I thought it was, I thought it was good. Uh, you know, it, it, I mean, some of Keenan's impressions can like work into each other, you know, like they're, they're not always like a, a, a big difference in uh, I'm looking up right now to see the last time he played it, You're right. Actually, uh, he was OJ on October 9th in Courtney's, uh, or in the People's Court, twenty eighteen Car- uh, Kardashian. He played OJ there. Fine.
0: Yeah, it was. He he did an address uh, in uh, April twenty twenty for one of the at home episodes. He did it on. Uh, he did it in twenty twenty one where OJ got the COVID nineteen vaccine. Uh, so yeah, he's done it a few times. Yeah, he hasn't done it on is. Weekend Update
1: since 2007. But he, you're right. he's oh, right. it. Thank um, you. I'm right then. Yep. No, but you're right. He has played it in different characters in sketches. Um, but uh, Keenan has played him eight different times, um, and uh, it was fine. I, I didn't love it, but I thought it was fine. Um, it, like you said, uh, you know, here's the here's the issue is for those of us, Brad, you more so than any of us you're so tied into what's happened with Will Smith and Chris Rock that I'm sure you're over it by now, or you've been over it for a while. Um, And SNL is speaking to an audience that probably, I mean, certainly has probably taken in more of it than they want to, but they have to assume that there's also people that haven't. Um, And so like they're, you know, for what is a tired thing for us, I I'm sure they still have to kind of give their take on it. And there's people that aren't as tired of it as the rest of us though. With the Will Smith Chris Rock thing specifically, it was on like, like the gas station news. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, and, and, and like right. and like, so, any, I mean, it, and, and a, any
0: celebrity who was on like a talk show or anything like that, or was getting interviewed during this week, was asked about what do you think about the Will Smith? Yeah. And like, no one cares anymore. And if you still care about it after this long, you don't deserve to be entertained.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right, moving on. Sketch. Uh, the next sketch was Scattering Remains, written by Andrew Dismukes and Jake Nordwin. Um, I'm kind of loving how awkward uh, Andrew Dismukes, or how just interesting and silly Andrew Dismukes' written sketches are. Um, I, 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 I risk, you know, showing my cards here. I laughed at this quite a bit. Um, you know, <laughs> what the hell did you just do? Well, we just said goodbye to Pop-Pop. <laughs> You know, when he throws him over, I just thought it was a silly sketch. I laughed. Andrew Smukes is becoming – he's really evolved this year for me to going from I don't know how he fits into the cast or just kind of this awkward, you know, younger kind of cast member to I actually – I think I understand his comedy a little bit more and I can appreciate it. What would you guys think of this sketch?
0: So for me, this sketch uh, had a great peak, and then it kind of just imploded upon itself. Because I laughed so hard when they picked up the body and threw it over the edge of the cliff, and this audio that they used to create the sound of the body falling down the cliff was so absurd. Uh, I laughed so much, but then it felt like the sketch stumbled after that. Like, there were some funny things there, but... Uh, the timing was a little bit off with the, the delivery from, yeah. from both Gerard and Andrew mukes. and it just really just didn't work and didn't keep that flow going. So, like, it peaked early, and then it's like, ah, oh, that that was it. Because if they had maintained that as it went on, it would have been one of my favorite sketches of the night. Brad, but since it really, really just fell apart after that, I was just like, ah, oh, damn, yeah. missed opportunity. Brad,
1: I felt like they needed to run it, like, two more times in dress rehearsal, and they probably would have got some of those cues a little bit better, but I felt that as well. Though I still thought there was just... There was one line where I I, th- I think it was Andrew Speaks that says he tells uh Dracomar, just speak on that, will you? Uh he, he gives them these these just there's these absurd one liners that they use. Yeah. That it was enough for me. Like you said, it was dumb, it was absurd, but I laughed quite a bit. Benny, what'd you think?
2: So we uh, watched this episode with Bailey, uh, my girlfriend, and we're sitting there and we're and of course the body goes over the cliff and I'm laughing harder than I've laughed at SNL in like 20 years. Like I was laughing so hard at that one moment. And then I, I it made me think after I watched the sketch, we kind of we paused it and I was like, I wish that SNL had the, the change of format fortitude to risk it and say after the body gets dumped, cut. And they're just done, and they move on to the next one because that would have been an all-time sketch, in my opinion, if they just would ended it right there. There was nothing that came after, even the funny stuff that came after that was a little funny here and there. There was nothing that was going to get past that that peak. So what they could have done is is drawn it out a little bit longer, then dump the body and then cut, and it would have been a one-minute sketch. And I would have thought that what balls SNL has to set all this up just for that one-minute
1: laugh, like that would have been perfect. It it just went on too long. to peek at that, because that really was the funniest part at, of it. Right? By,
2: and by far, by, like, measures above everything else. And so if they just would have ha- could have that foresight to be like, this is going to kill, and then we should just end it, man, that would have been awesome. I will say, of course, the whole dah, 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 and walking the bill over like it's a restaurant, that got me. I did laugh at that. Um, the soup in the urn from a mortician. There were so many little things that were good, but it never got past that initial, like, I was just dumbfoundedly laughing at the body going over it was amazing
1: Yeah so it sounds almost like you know like a puzzle almost just rework some of those bits to where you put those a- ahead of the the you know body over the cliff great sound effect to it kind of thing and just peek at that and be done, it's just right? It was such a good move. Like it's so. That's just such a. It's an alarming thing
2: to see. It's a full size body. They didn't. You know, the props department didn't skimp on any of that. Everything was set up perfectly. That was great. It was just. It was so well orchestrated. And then, like we all just said, it just kind of floundered after that. It just never really got that momentum. Keep going because it had. That was one that had the potential to be an all timer for real.
1: Yeah, I, I I guess where I'm at on that is I appreciate as we've. You know, done more th- than our fair share of complaining. This episode on some of the political sketches, I I, I appreciated how absurd it was that they went for the absurd, right? I mean, it, it was just it was silly, and I and I enjoy the silliness of these type of sketches. Yeah,
2: I was I was there for it though. I, I like I'll still say that it was a good sketch because
1: uh, I I want that a, a thousand times before I need I see another Fox News sketch. Yep, agreed. Mm-hmm. All right. Next uh sketch was uh, called Story, written by Kyle Mooney, Will Steven, starring uh Heidi Gardner, Kyle Mooney, Ego Notum, and Jared Carmichael or Gerard Carmichael, sorry, Gerard. He is um, late. Ben, I want I want you to know, does Kyle Mooney make you feel uncomfortable watching him in sketches like this? How did you know? Oh my god, I paused it. I, cause, cause I was uncomfortable and I thought Ben's got to be so, I, so awkward. I can't believe you called me out on that I literally paused it like four times when he they cut to him I had to I couldn't do so it to our listeners that don't know Ben has a hard time dealing with awkward situations and awkward you you can't watch The Office correct right like in real life it doesn't matter in
2: movie for whatever reason in tvs and movie uh, I cannot watch it be really awkward especially when it feels real and so anything from the the office. I've, I've just never gotten past the second season. I can't watch. um Growing up, the the famous thing that I the, or for my friends is that I would watch Growing Pains and Mike siever would do something wrong and I, I would like feel uncomfortable and say like Mom, why why did wouldn't he just tell the truth? He would get he wouldn't be in trouble then. And I it, to this day I still feel awkward when people you know make other people uncomfortable in shows. I paused this and I stood up and I walked around the room and I unpaused it because I knew I had to watch it for the show and it made me really uncomfortable. I didn't like it. I, I felt. I felt feelings and I didn't like
1: it. Now, also on this, we have... So Kyle Mooney played Bradford. We have our own very super awkward Bradford on this show. Brad, what did you think of this sketch? <laughs> oh, killer! Killer,
0: gotcha! Gotcha! Got <laughs> it! Stop uh, it! Only in New York! <laughs> it's so bad! <laughs> yeah, I, I love Kyle Mooney in this sketch, man. It's uh, He does this um, very well and... It was familiar, but it was just just different enough for me to really uh, enjoy it, especially with the way everyone else was reacting and just yeah, him trying to like be in on the story and be excited about it. Uh, and I especially loved the ending where he just like, like lost it and just like failed everything on the table to the point where. Uh, I don't know if it was scripted that that much because Heidi Gardner's reaction she totally broke and she was really caught off guard by everything being strewn all over the place.
1: If yeah, if anything uh, oh, egos as well, and you could see them looking around, like that's how you almost know it isn't scripted is like, you know that they were literally like looking around and laughing like, are we going to keep this or something? <laughs> you know? I, I thought
2: that if any line was not scripted in the entire thing, it was when he turned around and he goes, Oh, kitchen. And then he went the other way. It sounded like just an off the cuff thing that he said. So if that was scripted,
1: well done. And if it wasn't hilarious.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, do you guys have friends anybody like this that tries so hard? I mean, other than me, but like try so hard to fit in and, and you know, they're trying. And so you want to give them credit they just can't do it though. Like they're they're just it's not hitting. And you want to be like, you know what, know you're lane, and it's okay because you're you're not that person. Um yeah.
2: I, Brad, and- so Brad's on the show, so I can't really talk too much. Uh, but of course,
1: yeah. man. Do, 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 beat beat me to the punch. Use, oh. Yeah. You, oh god, Brad's the wood. Oh, so
2: we do have Brad and I do. We'll have call a, him Tad. Uh, we'll
1: call him Tad, your friend
2: Tad. We we do have a guy named Tad that that has been uh that's been to a few uh, parties at, at the house and uh, he just tries so hard to be funny, and he's just not and he just really goes over the top with everything and it's just it's really grating to be around the person because you're just like I get it man you want to be a part of it but you're just he's not like the Kyle Mooney where it's like oh hey it's more of like a Oh, oh, that's a good story. I've got a better one, and he tries to tell a story, and you're like, "Oh my god, this is not going to be a good story." He's a one-upper. He's a one-upper. That
1: Tad. Yeah, yeah no.
2: but okay. but because he truly thinks that this is going to be the thing that may endears him to the group.
1: Yeah, no, I, I I I know a guy like that. Um, my guy is he, we will call him Thad, not Tad. Um, but yeah, same same thing. You know, it's like constantly. Um, hey, I I I worked. 12 hours today well i worked 14 hours today okay (laughs) like why do we have to do this why are we competing thad
0: brad i mean you know what i'm talking about (laughs) oh man it's what a crazy story (laughs) so i was getting coffee
1: right whoa oh that is loco (laughs) moving on commercial oshkosh Fagash. Andrew Desmukes, Chloe Feynman, Heidi Gardner, Chris Redd, Cecily Strong, Bowen Yang, all in this um, with uh, Gerard Carmichael. You know, it always makes me laugh when people put political slogans on infant clothes um, because no one – your your child doesn't care, right? Like people are like um,
0: – uh, My strong- child's American, so he absolutely cares, Nate.
1: Yeah, well, all of it. All of it's just ridiculous, right? Or they dress their kids up for Halloween in costumes they clearly don't want to be. Yeah, sorry, your four-year-old didn't want to be Harvey Milk. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, they didn't. Um, like they just <laughs> wanted just to be Iron to Man, like the rest of them. So, um, so there, there was a, there was an absurdity to this. But as a parent, I, I actually, again, obviously leading, this was leaning more towards, I think, some frustration or just some humor with the LGBTQ community. But I, there, there was a, a deeper kind of truth to some of this uh, sketch that I, I thought was hilarious. So
0: it's um, it's interesting that that was read on the scenario because uh, even though I think it does like lampoon some of, some of that, I, I actually think that there's also a layer to this where it's it is also mocking the idea of the uh, the heteronormative shirts that are put on babies, you know, the fi- like ones that they start off with, you know, by no, like... that's exactly what I was
1: trying to. I'm just on any messages, I think, whether it's heteronormative messages, political messages, I mean, we tried not to gender our kids' clothes, right? Well, no, what
0: but, yeah, but like, but what I mean is like, like, the, the commentary on the idea of how, like, it's, people think it's ridiculous for, you know, the, the LGBTQ plus community to put stuff like that on the shirts of, of their kids when the, the heteronormative stuff that, like, is meant to be like, oh, cutesy kind of like, oh, isn't it funny that this this is on a baby is totally you know oh yeah Yeah. that's completely normal
1: though chick magnet kind of thing you know and it's like like, well no my kid might be ugly it's It's me and my dad
0: for the same time
2: like the idea that it's you know like uh, my little one-year-old has a has a onesie on that says chick magnet and like the the, obviously the joke being like oh yeah my son's gonna fuck a lot it's like what what the absolute hell is wrong with you it's It's all ridiculous Yeah. So that's, um, it is, it's a, you know, what I really liked about the sketch is they went even further again, escalation. It's always about the escalation, but when they started saying, you know how those gays are like not, not being in a monogamous relationship and Bowen and Yang's look at Gerard. Yeah. Like, oh my God. That was, it's like, well, we didn't really want that.
1: <laughs> I loved yeah. it. No. Well, and I think too, it, it's a little bit right. There There's a little play in here. I think a little bit of uh subtle humor towards the, um, don't say gay laws that are are like that just got signed in Florida. These kind of things, essentially, saying the schools shouldn't do anything to influence sexuality because you know there's a subsection of people that believe essentially you know your sexuality is be, sexuality is being forced on kids or whatever. Yet here we are, and like you said, Brad, heteronormative things we we kind of are pushing a, a sexuality onto, you know, kids, right? It's just, the sexuality that you would prefer your child to it's, it's,
2: we are absolutely you know? forcing so, that every day with oh. mommies and daddies. Mommies and daddies—that that's the normal thing to say. Normal, normal, normal. But that, like, you know, some kids are going to grow up and they're they're going to be daddy, daddy, or mommy, mommy. So that's the the insanity part of it is that it's not enough for heteronormative people to just have their thing. They they have to have their thing, and then you can't have. But
1: everybody else can't have their thing. Yeah, it's so freaking weird. Yeah. I tell you what though, it gets easier with your kids when they get old enough to decide what they want on their clothes. Um, because then you don't have to like, like I said, we tried to like with our own kids, I've got three kids. We tried not to gender our kids clothes too much. I mean, obviously at times you just get lazy and you're like, just put on this blue shirt. You're a boy, I don't care. Um, but, um, you know, you, you do try to be cognizant of like the norms that exist that you just adopt subconsciously right um because that's just accepted and you don't want to push
2: but your now kids that, or, now you that know, your
1: kids are older and they're i mean i noticed they, they all wear no fear t-shirts is that by choice <laughs> or did you? Get well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm some people are, they, are, are trying to push their kids into you know like a certain gender or a certain political belief I'm trying to push my kids into a certain time period. And that's the nineties. Gotcha. Um, so a lot, lot of, a lot of no fear, a lot of boss and a lot bum, of G- bum jeans. Yeah. Bum equipment stuff. Yeah. Um, but they also, him.
0: but they also did let his kids pick shirts that say that like, like I am a horn dog and it's time. <laughs> to, <laughs> it, it's time to get hard. a
2: <laughs> chick magnet because I'm sexually attracted to chickens.
0: Yeah, it's just it's like, so ridiculous. Basically, held up a shirt that said "Dick Magnet" or "Chick Magnet" and let them choose. <laughs> the
1: ones that always get me too. It's like, um, it's always like the the one where it's like, you think I'm I'm a uh, uh, pretty. Wait till you meet my dad. He's got a gun. Kind of like, you know, like <laughs> this is so weird. Like yeah. this is so weird. Um, and it is it's it's like normative in in a certain kind of thing. So yeah, I, I like that. Um, like I said, just just take it all off. Like what? what just wear put solid colors on your children. You know, <laughs> nice <laughs> nope. beige robes. Exactly. I just just so them decide be, what they want to wear. You
2: can do political slogans. They've just got to be from like the
1: 1950s. To be like, I like Ike. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, party. Uh, you know, like they're the whip party or something like we'll that. Bring back know. the wigs. Yeah, the wigs. Yeah. All right. Let's move into the um. Uh, let's move into the cover time. There are two cover time sketches. Um, I'm glad you guys both watched it. We did talk about before this Bradford and I had watched it. Ben had not. I want that to go on record on the podcast so people know which hosts of this podcast actually prepare for the
0: show. I saw um, the Angelo one. You know, I wanted this I want to take this time. I have I have a friend named Sven Bono Schnitz. Um and like he just shows up and he can be super entertaining on a podcast and like oh I'm I'm here, I don't have to prepare anything I'm fucking hilarious off the cuff I can just, <laughs> just, just just sit here and like sip on my sports drinks and make jokes. <laughs>
2: well, this
1: guy's this first of all, that guy sounds handsome. He sounds skinny, like he's lost some weight. Um yeah. sounds like a real right. go getter. The Please Don't Destroy Guys, uh, three normal goths written by Dan Bullough, and Marshall, Martin Hurley, John Higgins. The thing that I took away from the sketch, and there, you guys know this, they they can do no wrong to me. I love the Please Don't Destroy Guys. The thing that above all stood out is they nailed the 90s sitcom theme song. They nailed it. It was so good every time. I'm like, oh, you guys nailed this like full house uh, f- f- what was the Friday night lineup on, uh, Full house, yeah. family, man, yeah, yeah. step-by-step yeah. 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 world
0: hanging out with Mr. Cooper. Yeah.
1: It was just so, so like, you know, again, if you're, if you're creating that all in a week, right. You have to think like, that's an extra layer to the, the, this, the video sketch you're doing that you have to create that music. You have to create all of that, you know, that feel of it, the, the graphic to it, these kind of things and uh i thought they nailed that part uh what do you guys think did it work for you you guys are typically a little less impressed with please don't destroy than i am
0: so i think that this is probably on the lower end of please don't destroy um because even they do a good job of parodying the the 90s sitcom opening credits vibe kind of thing uh the premise just didn't really seem all that strong to me it wasn't uh super funny like the, the visual gag was was amusing at first, um, but you know it was it was repetitive, and I didn't feel like it brought that much to the table. I think like the the concept of like having people who are so dramatically dressed in goth and, and makeup, having just normal pop culture opinions about stuff like that is you know it sounds funnier on paper than I think it does in the way that it's executed. There have been so many different sitcom credits parodies like this um, that have been done just. I think a lot better and um, that and lean into it more so. And I just, so I thought this was okay. I didn't hate it, but I just thought that it was not necessarily on par with how good. I'd actually
1: agree with you. I, like I said, I, I love the sitcom stuff. I thought that was really good. I, I didn't think, I didn't think that the, the jokes were all that funny or the, the whole, you know, cause they don't really do jokes necessarily. Obviously it's just a, um, they, they base their, their comedy off of the whole situation. The situation was fine, but right, I mean, the idea that goth kids or goth people would be interested in other things and they're not like Marilyn Manson or, you know, all corn. These other corn. Um, I mean, right, I mean, that's just obvious, right? I mean, they just that they might be kind or something like that. That that's just obvious to me. Um, but uh it almost seems like it would be humorous to people that were raised in private school that never met a goth kid or something. So Ben, what'd you think?
2: Uh, I liked, uh, I liked when it, it changed direction and they started being real catty about the fashion choices. Uh, so that, that was a take on this. Like it, it was a departure from this is just going to be goths doing normal things. Cause that was the same joke over and over again. Then they took it at least to another level where it was like surprisingly catty about fashion. Like, okay. I wish they would have done that earlier and then done more with that. Like, su- like, they're not just normal, but they're surprisingly into weird things like I would have loved to see them on a fishing boat or something like they're actually really oddly into fishing. You know, If they would have just done more stuff like that, I think I would have been more inclined to to like this. But it was just too much of the same.
1: All right. Second one. Uh, are we done with Angelo or do we still like Angelo? This, this should be the arc of the character. We've seen two. Is this the third one? The, yeah, third or fourth. So. yeah. Yeah. Third or, anyway, third or
0: fourth. What, yeah. Whatever.
2: He capped it off by actually incorporating. The word tonight in a song, and now we're done. Like that's fine. It was it it worked because they changed it, and now we're done. So you think you're done with the character? Yeah, I mean, I that it's run its course. It can't get any funnier to me, no matter what they do from now on, unless they found a, a, a way to escalate it again, which is going to be really hard to do. I think this is something where it really capped up because they because I was actually really happy with the way that they did it. They finally got. Uh, an actual song parody out of him and that made me feel good and I really liked it but I don't know where they go from here uh,
0: okay. right. Yeah, I, I don't know I disagree just because I do enjoy the character and even though uh, it is the same you know premise that's never stopped SNL before and I just I just love the oh, way in like, <laughs> I just, I just, some instances yes but I just I love the way Aristotle plays his character and there were some like different things that he did in this one like the fact that he kind of like uh, backwards planked when he responded one time, like, uh, say for me. <laughs> and I also I, I, I like the variation they're doing on how he, he mishears, like the fact that he requested 1999, he's
2: like, 2002. <laughs> See, they, yeah, so they, they escalated, which was good. But again, like, well, you, you're famously, you loved like the 37th Headwound Harry, so I, I don't really know that we have much to talk about here
0: well the the thing with headwind hair the goo is always different
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the goo hey yeah, yeah Brad why, why don't you go do uh, do your do your making copies for us oh eating
0: snowballs yeah
2: I remember yeah that was super good no I mean this is it's it feels just it's it's run its course for me personally then i'm I'm done
0: yeah
1: I, I think something else has to happen with the character I mean right so you've got um uh, Cecily Strong playing the same thing every time and honestly there were some lines there that I, I laughed uh, at you know um, I'm sorry they're not Bon Jovi you ignorant himbo maybe <laughs> I don't even know what a himbo is um, it's a male bimbo what's that? <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a he and a, and a bimbo so it's yeah it's, a, it, yeah it's a male bimbo got you did not know that uh, I am not one with urban dictionary like you guys are so um, did not know that made me laugh though um but again, though, like you know, I, I predict, you predict, and you can know where the, yeah. when you can see how the escalation is coming it just loses its luster to me,
2: you know? I'll I'll put it out there that the, the, the repeatability of a character is only as good as the variations that that character can perform. Stefan is an incredible version of that because every time he's on, what he's doing is something completely different, even though it's the same. And the same thing with the guy who bought a boat and, and any of those weekend update characters that do that, they have something to say and it's different every time because he is so dependent upon the certain mannerisms and certain phrasings you can only take it so far that's all i'm saying
1: yeah and you know there was a couple like i said other like brad also mentioned there were a couple little additions to the physical comedy of it i also laughed at the drinking of the water thing that kind of made me laugh um the planking i didn't necessarily get but whatever um uh, i i felt like it was a little desperate physical comedy a little bit but like it was OK. Um, I, I could take it or leave the character. I do think, though, if they're going to if they're going to leave it and they're going to keep on writing on on this, they need to they need to find an evolution for the character. Somewhere. part of me just
2: thinks that Aristotle Atari only writes this character every week and just submits it over and over again. <laughs> and it's the only thing he does. And they're like, fine, I get. I mean, fine, we'll put it on.
0: That's good, and it works, and I hope he keeps doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Man, and don't you, like, uh, we we talked about this, um, you know, off, off mic uh, earlier this week, but don't you uh, feel bad for Melissa Villasenor just getting her tiny silent part in, in this Cut for Time sketch? <laughs> I, yeah i mean i, maybe do and I talk don't talk about some of
2: that like well i don't though because the time i'm sorry but the times that she's been on screen she's she's screwed up her lines she's not very good when they give her the, they've given her do, multiple do chances think, and she's just not taking advantage of them
1: do you think obviously she had a couple flubs um but do you think she's in the doghouse obviously i mean right uh, uh lauren will put cast members in the doghouse um and like you know um who was the who was the cast member years ago that famously accidentally cussed and essentially she was dead to Lauren uh, uh, after that. What happened? Jenny, Jenny Slate. Yes. Um, and which, is so, a, which is a
0: shame because Jenny Slate is a delight.
1: She, yeah, yeah. Oh, she's fantastic. I, I love her. Um, but, you know, so that's what I'm saying though. Like, I don't know if something happened other than she flubbed her lines a couple times or you know she's what? just not getting characters on. You know what
2: I'll, I'll bring up here that is that I'm so over the idea that like, oh, you know, poor Vin- Melissa or poor Aristotle, or poor Punky John. No, it, it's a competitive environment. It's a, it's a, you have to write for yourself and you've got to be your own champion. I've read too many behind the scenes books and articles about SNL. It is cutthroat. You've got to be funny and you've got to be the best at your job to get on the air. I don't, nobody deserves airtime like i just wish they'd give them more air time that's not how it fucking works like you gotta earn it so the idea yeah, that you, you create something make a crush and that. make them unavoidably have to put you on the show and i don't want to see any more of this bullshit on instagram and and reddit and all this crap where you see like somebody tweets like oh poor melissa vienseor and like she responds like yeah i know right it's like <laughs> fuck off like i'm done
0: yeah but like i i don't know i don't i just i agree with that to a certain extent but it comes to melissa vienseor it's not as if she hasn't proven that she does have talent and- that she's good at what she does. So, like, maybe it's just the the nature of SNL that makes it more difficult. But she's a gifted sketch comedian, and she does have an incredible array of impressions. And I just feel like she she had more time; she was doing more stuff before. But now I feel like maybe the cast is too big, and, and that, that has changed things even more, so making it harder for those things for the things that she can do well to be more prominent. You know,
2: this would be this will be a very mean statement if. Saturday Night Live is not a meritocracy if it truly is a, 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 a still the, the old boys club and it's really hard for her to get on because she's not Kate McKinnon, you know, then then fuck me, but suck it up, write better sketches, put it out there and do it or quit. Like, I, I just don't care anymore because there's been it's in, you've been on the show for six years. Either, either you're gonna be on there and be a player or you're just gonna sulk in the corner I don't, I don't know I'm just so over the whole like babying of the these professionals that are on the show.
0: That's the thing, though, is may- is maybe she is putting in putting up good work stuff like that, but for whatever reason, it's not like ending up on the show, you know. And that's when- why
2: I I will eat my hat and be an uh, I will admit to being a complete asshole about this. If it does come out in a in a tell all book that Keenan Thompson writes in five years, that wow, Melissa B. was just treated like shit. She was brilliant, and then for whatever reason, it, you know, they they just snuffed her out. Then I'll be the asshole. But for right now, I'm looking at it like it's a meritocracy, and you just need to put out the work to get on the show.
1: Yeah, there are a few things that are happening here that that again the whole like liking or saying stuff online about how you feel like you're being mistreated, that just always rubs me wrong. I I I hate it. I don't like, I I don't like that part. Um, But I I think Brad's right. She's, she's one of the best impressionists on this, in this cast of a cast of pretty good impressionists, honestly. Um, But that's why I think there's something else going on. Um, Like I said, either she's in the doghouse or something, because she does have a a ton of skill. She's used it before. uh, In in certain seasons, she was a fairly regular staple on weekend update. She's not done that. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I just feel like there's something else going on. I don't know. Like, you know, again, maybe she... She's in Lauren's doghouse. Maybe she's just not writing enough, or, you know, she's got some other stuff going on. I don't know. Or it's
2: because that, uh, it could be because, uh, like, much like Jay Farrow, great impressionist. Melissa Van great impressionist. Bill Hader, great impressionist. Which one of those is a straight white male? So he's going to get all the the work outside of being an impressionist he gets to still be the straight man in sketches and stuff like that because we're still a pretty racist society and the, the minorities are not going to get their stuff
1: because you're all like uh melissa oh. screw her uh um, no i'm, so I'm saying
2: that play. i'm playing my own devil's advocate if that's the case yeah. then yeah fuck me but like i said i'm i'm still willing to hope that yeah. snl is you know if you bring your a game and you're funny you'll get on the show
1: yeah, I, and again, the, the evidence suggests that we've seen characters, James Austin Johnson, um, Sarah Sherman. We've seen characters that were new that seem to be getting, you know, a, a decent amount of work, a decent amount of sketches on their way. Um, and Sarah Sherman's she's written some stuff, but she's getting into sketches that she doesn't write. Um, so I don't know why Melissa Villanueva is not. Aristotle, he's not really hit his mark yet anyway. He's a little bit like Punky Johnson. They just haven't found their groove yet. They've been in some sketches um, for other people, but, you know, other than, um, you know, other other than essentially this one character, Angelo, I don't know if Aristotle has anything else up his sleeve, but like you said, Ben – it's SNL. You better you better figure out some other characters. Right. right. And if, it, honestly, if you're being uh, mistreated and, and it's it's a terrible
2: environment, then, you know, it's a job. You know, if I was being tra- treated terribly at my job, I'd quit. I, you know that, that you're not required to be there. Nobody's forcing you to be there. But I understand that it's an incredible opportunity. And if you feel like you have no other options then yeah, you want to hold on to that for as long as you can. You know, I, I know I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here a lot, but the idea is we don't really you know stupid? what's going on.
1: All right. So let's go to uh, on that note, on SNL gossip um 101 here. Let's move on to cast member of the episode. Who did you guys give it to? What did you think? I really struggled with who to give this to. Ben, who 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 did you give yours to? I I really liked Andrew Desmouches character in the in the
2: um uh throwing the, the body over the the railing i just thought that it was so funny and he, and i want to see more of that this episode everybody seemed like they were all over the place there wasn't anybody that was consistently in a lot of sketches there was just so many different choices pete davidson was awesome but he was in that one pre-tape right and Bo and yang was in a couple here and there but i really I, i'm gonna give it to andrew Desmuse just because i really love that character and i want I want to see more of that originality rather than the Fox news bullshit. So please, if you're listening, Andrew, I love you do more of
0: that character. You're you're my MVP this week. Brad, Uh, I almost gave it to Pete Davidson because of short ass movies, but it just, it didn't feel right because it was just one sketch and he wasn't anywhere else for the the episode. Um, I actually ended up giving it to Cecily strong because she was really funny, uh, in shop TV. And even though her weekend update appearance and, uh, uh, the cold open weren't great as a whole, I thought she was still good in those roles. Um, I said, you know, I, I never get sick of Janine Pirro, even though I'm sick of the the content that surrounds that kind of sketch. I think she's always great in that role. Uh, and even though, like, the we talked about the problem with the Marsha Blackburn stuff, I still, like, her impression was still spot on and performance, uh, th- like, just throughout the evening. And so that's that's why she stood out to me this time. But it was, it was very hard to pick someone to really, like, feel like a, a standout MVP.
1: How about you, Mr. Nate? Yeah, I, I it was between Cecily and Heidi Gardner. Heidi Gardner only because she was in like four or five sketches. I thought, she, you know, she was good in each one of them. I don't think there was anything great about what she did. But anybody that is doing, you know, four or five sketches in a, a show is doing their work, doing their job well. Um, she had a couple, I think, some, some good lines in some of them. Um, but I would give it to one of those two. And if I had to choose just because she did a couple more sketches, I'd probably give it to Heidi Gardner.
2: I would also like to give an honorable mention to Gerard Carmichael, even though he he was almost uh, could have been a pick for you know MVP this week. And it takes a lot, like we talk about, for the host to do it. But for a first time, relatively unknown host, he crushed it.
1: Yeah. Well, what was your, guys favorite, mean, sketch, your favorite sketch or favorite bit? You know, you can. Uh, do we do we decide? Can you pick a bit from Weekend Update as your favorite, or no? Does it have to be a no?
0: Sketch? No, that'd be real. <laughs> but, no. But no, real quick, what I want to say about Rod Carmichael is because I did think that he was he was good in SNL, but I I wanted him to be better, um, and like we've seen some of the best comedians just stumble through lines stuff like that, and like he he flubbed and and like messed up the timing a little too much. And also, I was a little disappointed that we didn't really get to see him do much character work. He was pretty much always playing some variation of himself, which is one of the main reasons why uh, I didn't give him MVP, and I didn't feel like he did as good as I I wanted him to. Because even though his monologue was great and he was very funny throughout... I just was hoping to see a little bit more from it, more variation, yeah. Uh,
1: I think the episode peaked at the monologue, honestly. um I, I I didn't I thought it was an okay episode. I didn't think it was bad at all. Um but I, I'm with you, brad. i i I don't think he did great. I also don't think he was given a ton of great stuff either. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, like, you know, it's hard to tell which one was worse. Whether it, maybe some of the sketches would have been better if he would have hit some of his timing, but honestly, I don't think so. I, I, just I don't think, think I think
2: he was a too hard on him. him. I think he did a pretty damn serviceable job, actually. Yeah, he, I, mean, I don't think. He,
0: I don't, oh no, I don't think it was bad by any means. But was like like I don't think that
2: he flubbed. as Why, many things as, as Brad, your, as why do as you hate remembering
0: drug, No, no, he definitely flubs some stuff. You just weren't paying attention, Ben. No, no I mean,
2: I just think that he the 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 number one thing that you can't be as a host is nervous. And he wasn't whatsoever so much so that he was confident enough to do a lot of things. And he was in a lot of sketches and he had a pretty
0: significant role in uh, a few. Wait, 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 wait. The host was in a lot of sketches <laughs> on SNL in this economy. I will Listen. say the only one that I really remember him flubbing
1: lines or or not even flubbing lines. I don't think he flubbed them. I think he just had a hard time hitting some marks where the scatter, scattering remains one with Andrew Desmukes. Um, you know, a lot of the other ones were pre-tapes as well, but I, I thought he, I thought he did fairly well in the, um, then um, the the I, QVC doll one. It was he was great.
0: Yeah. I, oh yeah, no, yeah, of course he was great in that one.
2: He, he sure. flipped the lines in one sketch, and you're just telling me like, oh, like he just. I, he would be I thought he, it was well. It, it, it,
0: His, it wasn't just one sketch. I'd have to go back and watch the whole episode. Sure. Oh, you know, but, but I, but okay. That's, Okay. But this is exactly why I am painting, because I remember him messing up a few times in a few different sketches. So sorry. Well, Gerard, to, uh, you're sorry.
2: listening. I Sven, love you. You did a great Sven
0: job. Bonavitz.
2: <laughs> you did fine,
1: Gerard, or Jared, as Nate would we say. We didn't do. Yeah. N- don't worry. I mean, it won't be the – it's not the first time I've messed up names here. It certainly won't be the last. Um. So, guys, what was your favorite My sketch,
0: favorite I mean? sketch is short <laughs> movies movies. Yeah, it was the
1: best sketch. Do yeah. we all agree?
2: I I mean I actually liked the uh, the the doll sketch better.
0: You're wrong, but that's- I
2: know I did. I really did. I I was laughing really hard at it.
0: Yeah, so Ben liked the cold open the best. Typical.
2: Oh my god. Well, I do watch Fox News, so I,
1: I would say honestly, I would say the only thing like for me that competes with that was the monologue. I thought the monologue was one of the best, maybe the best of the season. It really was good really monologue. Good. It was really. I good.
0: do. I did think Shop TV came close, but uh, the short ass movies just hit a sweet spot for me because it, is, it was funny because it's true, but it was just a great music video. Uh, and I'm telling you right uh, now, the,
2: the, the first minute ten seconds of the Paul Bear thing or whatever the 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 short, that that's my favorite. <laughs> if I can do that, yeah.
1: Yeah, if you can just take that one little, <laughs> if I can just
2: cut it right there. It's by far. It's my
1: favorite one of the freaking season. All right guys. Hey uh Brad, what do we have coming up? We have a couple more episodes uh I think in a row, right?
0: Yes, indeed. Uh next week we have Jake Gyllenhaal hosting because he's in uh, Michael's new movie Ambulance and a lot of people are talking about that cuz they're they're interested in seeing if there's some kind of uh response for uh, Taylor Swift. 10 minute music interlude that is apparently about Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see if there's going to be some some SNL drama. I don't know about you guys. I could really care you, less about it, but whatever. No, uh,
2: it's going to be great. Taylor Swift's going to uh, walk onto stage and she's going to slap him.
0: Or he's, you know, he's going he's to, he's, maybe he'll come out with a scarf and just drop it and that'll be the monologue.
2: <laughs> I would uh, forever be a, a fan of Jake Gyllenhaal.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be pretty good. Um, and and then. <laughs> uh and then uh after that we have lizzo uh who is serving as both musical guest and host on april 16th Man, i can't, can't, can't wait, wait for that
1: one. one yeah i feel like that one's going to be a, a great episode I, I'm, I'm i'm not sold on jake gyllenhaal i like jake gyllenhaal but i don't love jake gyllenhaal so i'm i'm hoping for good how are you not we'll,
0: sold on jake gyllenhaal i don't, oh, love jake gyllenhaal. I don't know he's why awesome. I
1: yeah I don't he's know so why. good Did you, have you ever um, seen love and other drugs uh yes I have. Oh, uh, it's such a good movie. Like he's no, so I good in it. Not, you know, I, my, Mysterio, whatever. But have you, uh, <laughs> have, you have, have you seen Nightcrawler? Uh yes, I have. He's I, so I, so I good in go, Nightcrawler It's okay. It's okay guys. We can disagree on Jake John. Have you seen also, Source Code? Nate, have you seen Nate, no, I haven't seen Source Code?
0: Nate, Source Code is good actually. Uh, actually, it's pretty good. <laughs> Nate is this about Brokeback Mountain? <laughs> uh, no,
1: it, it, it is not. Um, it's just, I'm not in love with Jake Dillon Hall. Did you okay. see Jake
0: Dillon Hall as Mr. Music in John Mullaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch?
1: Yes, I did, actually. I was. So, what are you
0: doing? Why Why is there any question as to Jake Dillon not say right I dislike
1: this. Jake Dillon I'm what? not as why in love with Jake Gyllenhaal. him. He has not captured my heart like he has yours.
0: Okay. Listen, I, I can't stand for this. Uh, I'm just I'm disappointed in you. All
2: right, I have one more question for you, Nate. Have you seen Jake Gyllenhaal in City Slickers?
0: <laughs> and that really is him, isn't it? Yes, uh, I love you. <laughs> as, as Billy Crystal. Yeah, he's amazing. Give me, <laughs> give no, me some really Billy Crystal. Film, he's
2: really in that film. Yeah, he
0: plays Billy Crystal's son it. at a very. I'll, say
1: I'll take Billy Crystal over Jake Gyllenhaal. There. I will take I mean, Billy Crystal
0: in in the 1980s over Jake Gyllenhaal, but Billy Crystal today. No, jog on, buddy.
2: <laughs> jog on.
0: Uh, wait, hold on. Go through more of of Jake Gyllenhaal's filmography. No, we you don't. Seen. All right, Brad, give people a movie to
1: see. Have you seen you? Prisoners? Will you please give people a movie that they have to see? Zodiac. Oh, Zodiac's um, so good.
0: Yeah, this is it's totally different from what we talk about here on on SNL. But I will implore you to go out of your way to see a movie called Everything Everyone Wants. Uh, it is directed by the, the directing duo known as Daniels because they are both named Daniel Daniel Kwan Daniel Scheiner. Uh, they previously directed Swiss Army Man, uh, which is a, a strange comedy starring Daniel Radcliffe as a corpse and Paul Dano um, as a guy who's carting around, uh, or Paul Dano as a we found out. dano And um I yes, always indeed <laughs> So uh this it's it's this is a fun movie. Um I don't want to tell you too much about it. Just understand that if you do uh take a risk on going to see it it's playing anywhere near you, that it is a, an odd movie, but it packs an incredible punch and like the odds uh is a feature, and there's like uh by the time it gets around to the ending, it's just this incredible, uh overwhelming, fantastic movie. So everything everywhere all at once. Uh give it a shot. It's funny, it's weird it's cool there's actors there's there's drama there's comedy it's it's it has anything and everything mixed into this weird uh incredible package benny where can people
1: find you online man uh i'm wherever but i'm normally on my couch watching
2: uh (laughs) i watched rick and morty and then i liked that justin roland uh then partnered with a guy named uh mike uh mccann Mike,
0: mike mcmahon
2: McMahon to make solar opposites. And that's one of my favorite shows. And then I've just found out that, uh, I just started watching star Trek, lower decks and Mike, what is it? McMahon. Mike McMahon is, is now co-creator of, of that and uh, and it's great like so the rick and morty to solar opposites to star trek lower decks that's a great three show uh Katie has something to do with that one too Krentz is from laporte uh, indiana is and she is a, a a dear friend of mine and she is an executive producer on star trek lower decks and it is honestly worth your time you don't need to know jack shit about star trek to to enjoy it because i don't but i've heard oh, that I if do, you do know star trek, trek you 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 will get the more of the you know the funny Easter eggs and stuff in it, but I implore you to watch Star Trek Lower Decks. It, Lower Decks it is super funny.
1: Uh, Bradford, where can people find you, and why is you why do you have a fake name?
0: Uh, Slashfilm.com is where I write about movies as Ethan Anderton because I am better than both of you. Uh, You can find me on Slash Film Daily Podcast a couple times, especially right now on Wednesdays. We'll be doing uh, spoiler-filled recaps of the new episodes of Marvel's Disney Plus show, Moon Knight, starring Oscar Isaac who recently hosted saturday night live so feel free to uh that out twitter at ethan underscore anderton and uh ben and i have a stupid radio show and brad and beyond at uh wims 95.1 is that right yep 95.1 if you're in the northwest indiana area or you can just
2: follow along on facebook live
0: yeah and watch it's so especially that we recorded on tuesday april uh 5th is uh is a delight one to watch oh, the video stream boy. on. So feel free to check that out.
1: Okay. All right. And you can find me online at Nate Lauchs. Um, I'm on Twitter or whatever. And do us a favor, please uh, rate the podcast, rate it highly, if you will. Um, uh, give us a review, subscribe, find us on Facebook. You can find the 10 to one podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Um, interact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, what was your favorite sketches? Where were we right? Where were we wrong? What did you think? Why does Brad, You know, see some kind of weird sexual tension between Che and Joast, maybe psychoanalyze that for us a little bit more. Um, Whatever, we appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Have a good day. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. (laughs)